Terumos Perik Gimel Mishnah Ches to Perik Dalid Mishnah Base. Our Mishnah will teach us a concept of toos or mistakes when it comes to uh, separating Truma. Hamiskavin Lomar Teruma Vomar Maaser. Maaser Vomar Truma. Someone who, while separating their Trumas or Maastres, made a mistake. And instead of saying the word Truma, he said the word Maaser. Or instead of saying the word Maaser, he said the word Truma. Likewise, Ola v'omar shlomim, shlomim v'omar Ola. If someone is separating an animal for a korban, and instead of saying Ola, he said shlomim, or instead of saying shlomim, he said Ola, i.e. he intended to take an animal for a particular korban for an Ola, but instead of saying this is my Ola, he said this should be a shlomim, or vice versa. And similarly, the mission carries on. She'eni nichnas labais zeh v'omar lozeh. Someone who made a neder or a vow not to go into a particular house. And he said the wrong house. He said lozeh to the other house. And the fourth example. She'eni nehene lozeh v'omar lozeh. A person makes a vow, a neder, not to have any hanor from a particular person. But then he said the wrong name, the wrong person. V'omar lozeh to another person. In all these cases, he intended one thing, but he said something else. Says the Mishnah, Lo Omar Klum. That his verbal declaration is meaningless, since he didn't mean to say what he actually said. Ad shehu piv v'libo shovin. Until he gets to a point where what he actually says and what he meant to say are the same. The commentaries add that this is true when it comes to trumas and maestres, where you said the wrong thing. But if a person said nothing at all while separating truma, then the truma does count. As the Posik says, In other words, separating truma depends on your machshova, on your intent, even without a verbal declaration. Mishnah Tes Hanochri v'hakusi trumoson truma This is referring to a non-Jew or a kusi who owned land in Eretz Yisrael. We've mentioned previously the laws of a kusi. This was a member of a nation who, at the time of the Mishnah, there was a sofek or a doubt as opposed to their status. However, a non-Jew or a kusi who own land in Eretz Yisrael and they decide to take the truma, then trumos on truma that actually works for truma. And if they then take maser from their produce, it also works as maser. And if they take an object and they sanctify it to the Beis HaMikdosh, then it acts as a proper sanctification. It becomes Hekdish. The Rambam explains that the reason why a non-Jew who takes Truma it would work, in fact would only work Midra Bonon. And the reason for that is we are concerned that maybe some people will use a particular legal loophole and pretend that their land actually belonged to a non-Jew, and therefore be exempt from giving trumas and maestros. Therefore the Rabbonon made a gezera that even if it belonged to a non-Jew, trumas and maestros would work. Others explain that when a non-Jew owns land in Eretz Yisrael, even though the land may belong to him, he doesn't own it to enough of a degree to make it exempt from the din of truma. All this is true of Trumais and Maestros and Hektish. But the Mishnah continues, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ein lanochri kerem revoi. V'chachomim omrim yeshelo. The laws of kerem revoi we'll be seeing 
later on in the Mishnais in Mishnah Orla. But for now, the law is that if a person has a fruit tree, then the first three years once it's been planted, the fruit that are growing from that tree are all asur bahano, they are not permitted to be eaten. The produce of the fourth year has a special status, which is very similar to the status of Ma'aser Sheni, which means that they are holy, need to be taken to Yerushalayim to be eaten. The Machlokis in our Mishnah is whether the fruit trees that belong to a non-Jew have the status of Kerem Revoi. Even though they have a status of Orla for the first three years, does the holiness extend even to the fourth year to make it forbidden to be eaten? outside Yerushalayim. Rabbi Yehuda says that the, the fruit trees of a non-Jew in the fourth year do not have the laws of Kerem Revai, whereas the Chachomim say they do. Our parrot concludes with the following, Trumas Hanochri, that this truma that was separated by a non-Jew, Medamas, not only is it truma, but it's proper truma which means that if, if it fell into a batch of chulin, then the whole mixture is a meduma mixture, and if there isn't more than a hundred times the amount of truma, then the whole of the mixture becomes osur. And and you'd have to pay an extra 25% if you eat this truma that was separated by a non-Jew, if you ate it by accident. For Rabbi Shimon, Poter, Rabbi Shimon disagrees. He said the level of truma that is separated by a non-Jew isn't enough to create a mixture of meduma. And similarly, it will not be enough that if you eat it by accident, you'd have to pay an extra 25% to the Kohen. Perik Ravi, the fourth Perik of Trumos, starts off with a fascinating case. Hamafrish miktas truma umaasros. A person has a batch of tevel or untithed produce and he wants to separate trumas and maestros from this batch. As we know, he needs to take 2% of the produce in this batch and that makes the rest of the batch ready for the uh, separation of maestrosion. However, what happened if a person didn't take 2% from this batch but decided he's going to take 1% now and 1% later? So this person is mafresh, separates miktsas, a part of the trumas and maestros. For example, he takes 1% and he's going to take the second percent later, maybe later on today or tomorrow, the day after. Now before he takes the second 1% of truma, he has an interesting scenario at this point in time because he's taken 1% of truma already, which means that you could view that this batch, which has had 1% of a trimmer removed, you now have in this batch half of the produce having had trimmer taken from it, and half of the produce not having had trimmer taken from it. And now when you come to set, take the second 1% to complete the 2% of trimmer, it could be that you, when you're taking the second 1%, maybe that second 1% is coming from the produce which has already had trimmer taken from it, i.e. the chulin part of the mixture. In which case you're taking trimmer from chulin to help exempt you from tevel. Thankfully the rabbis don't see it that way. And the Mishnah says, Motzi mimenu 
truma olof. That when you do take the second percent to complete the truma, then we allow you to take that second percent. And we consider as if when you're taking the second percent, it's taken from the tevel, the untithed half, and therefore that exempts the, that half and makes it also chulin, and therefore you're left with an entire batch of chulin. But that's only true if you're trying to exempt this particular batch. You can do it in two parts. However, if you separated 1% for, for this batch, and then when you come to take the second percent, you want to take truma from the second half of this batch to try and exempt you from another batch completely, the rabbis don't allow that. Says the Mishnah, By separating the second part of the truma, cannot exempt you for tevel that you may have elsewhere. Rabbi Meir disagrees. Rabbi Meir says that since the rabbis allowed you to take Truma on the second half, and we considered as if when you're taking the truma, you're taking it from the untithed or the tevel part of this first batch, then you can even take more truma to cover you for tevel that you may have elsewhere. As the Mishnah says, af motzihu lemokim acher, that you can even take truma for another batch elsewhere. For truma umastros, both regarding the laws of truma, and also you can separate mastros in the same way. Mishnah base. We've just mentioned that if a person has a batch of produce, and he can take his truma in two stages, and that will exempt that particular batch of produce. Our Mishnah continues on the same theme. A person who has all his produce, his fruit or his grains in a container in his barn. Once he's taken his trumos, he then bumps into a levi and he says, Oh, let me give you a so'or. And this so'or will count as ma'aser rishon. And then he bumps into a oni, a poor person, and he says, well, let me give you a so'or, and this will count as ma'aser oni. So in this case, he's not giving the amount of ma'aser rishon and ma'aser oni that would completely absolve him for the entire store of grains or of fruit that he may have. Rather, he's taking for a part of the batch of grains or fruit that he, he has. In this case, the rabbis say, that that one se'or will count for ma'aser rishon, and that one se'or that he gave to the oni will count as ma'aser oni, and it will allow him to pick eight se'or from his batch of fruit or grain. And we consider that these eight se'or have had the ma'aser rishon and ma'aser oni taken from them, and if we can eat them. Divrei Rabbi Meir, this is Rabbi Meir's opinion. Rabbi Meir is assuming that at the time that he takes his eight se'or from his batch of fruit or grains, that the first two se'or, the one that he gave to the levi and the one they gave to the oni, are still intact. However, the Chachamim disagree. They say, that when a person now goes into his store to take out the 
the fruit or the grain which would be equivalent to what he has taken Maaser and Maaser Oni, he must make sure that at that time where he takes the store from his grains and from his fruit, he must know that the Maaser Rishon and Maaser Oni are still intact. And based on what is intact, he's able to eat from his storehouse. So for example, if the Levi and if the Oni had eaten half what they were given, then instead of being able to take eight sa'ah from his storehouse, he'll only be able to take four sa'ah from his storehouse. And on those four sa'ah, then he can consider that Ma'asa Rishon and Ma'asa Oni have been taken, and then if we can eat those four sa'ah.